I love it when a young man reads God's word. Well done, Jagger. Want to say hello to everybody this morning. Say hello to everyone who is uh, streaming with us right now. Uh, next Sunday, the 19th, is going to be our big Sunday of worship before uh, Christmas Day. Uh, the following Saturday, it'll be a day for us to come together. I'm going to tell the story from beginning to end of the birth of Jesus. Uh, we are going to sing and sing and sing and sing. Uh, the singing this morning was such a blessing to me. I know it was to you. Uh, when you hear everybody singing in the different parts and it's praise to God, it just it breaks your heart in the right way. It breaks your heart in the right way and you're filled with joy and you just, you just want to say to God as many times as you can, as genuinely as you can, as authentically as you can, thank you for everything that you have done to make this life the life that it is in the kingdom of God. And that'll be, <laughs> I may start crying in just a second as we tell the story of the shepherds. But it's just so moving, church, to know that God loves us this way. And that He is willing to sacrifice and He sticks with us. His love is tenacious. We'll talk about that in just a second. But I want to invite you to come again this next week. If you're visiting with us or if you're at home to tune in again, we are going to talk about the great mystery of the Incarnation next week. And as you know, we're in a, a series in December where we are talking about the birth of Jesus. It is a celebration of the Incarnation. That Incarnation word is just a highfalutin word that means come in the flesh, incarnate. And what it means theologically for us, biblically for us, and faith for us, is that God the Son, Jesus, came as a human being. He became flesh, born both fully God and fully human, the greatest of mysteries. He was born a man in order to blaze a path back to God for human beings, to find themselves in God's presence unafraid again. Born to bring people into the kingdom of God. The greatest, the greatest offer a human being will ever receive is an invitation to the kingdom of God. And as you know, all of this involved His death on the cross, His resurrection three days later. But before there could be a crucifixion, there had to be an incarnation. There had to be Jesus coming in the flesh. The incarnation leads to the crucifixion. And in both of these events, at the very core, at the very center of what it means in the incarnation and the crucifixion is this four-letter word, love. Love. And the theme throughout this series has been this. It's up here on the screen. Let's say it together. God's tenacious love for humans never fails. God's love is tenacious. It never gives up. It's persistent. It's steadfast. It will hang in there even when we're not worth hanging with. And that love for humans is something that will bless us. It never fails. And that's why we praise Him for that tenacious love. And as you know, it, it was not the nails that kept Him on the cross during the crucifixion. The nails, He created everything. He had power over the material world. It's not the nails that are going to keep Him on the cross. But if there is no cross, there is no forgiveness, no hope of life with God, no resurrection, unless there is that love that prompts God the Son to leave the side of God the Father 
to leave the glory of heaven and to come to earth and to take on human flesh and to be our Savior. And this, quite frankly, church, is why we are told the story of the birth of Jesus. And this is also why we retell the story of the birth of Jesus all the time. Now, we're going to talk about the shepherds this morning, and I want to begin this way. Do you recognize the face of the fellow that's up on the screen? Dirty Jobs, right? His name's Mike Rowe, and he was the host of the show Dirty Jobs. I think there's probably going to be a revival of it soon, but the premise of the show, if you've seen it, it's a really interesting show, was for Mike and some of the uh, employees in the different businesses he would, he would visit was to perform with them the jobs that really nobody else really liked doing. For instance, there was one episode where he was a roadkill cleaner true. Uh, He was a snake wrangler. He was a leech trapper. I mean, there's such a thing as a leech trapper and a baloney maker. Now, here's the the thing with Mike Rowe. If Mike Rowe had been alive during the first century and doing that show during the first century, during the time that Jesus was born, his show might have included shepherds and shepherding. Shepherds in the first century Mediterranean world were not at the top of the ladder when it came to career choices. A shepherd was always going to be at the mercy of the elements. He lived his life outside. He lived in the elements. It was not a luxurious life. And if you've been around sheep, you know the sheep are not very cooperative at all, and sometimes they can be very cantankerous. And on top of that, they're delicious. And sheep were always going to attract predators. They were valuable, and so sheep are always going to attract thieves, and both of these brought their own version of danger into the lives of the shepherds. It was a hard life. It was not easy to be a shepherd. At times, it was a very dangerous life. And because of that, it did not always attract the best individuals, the best characters to do the job. Shepherds, during the time of Jesus' birth, were considered to be outside the law. They were considered to be at a a low-level, outlaw kind of job. They were not considered trustworthy. And this is one of the reasons why they were ineligible to serve as judges or even to serve as a witness in a courtroom, because they often grazed their flocks on other people's property, on fields, and they were not to be trusted. It sort of compromised their witness. And they were not considered very reliable, especially when danger would come. In fact, you'll remember in John chapter 10, as Jesus is talking about the good shepherd, he talks about how the hireling shepherd, when the wolf comes, is going to run away. And in that chapter, when Jesus talks about him being a shepherd, he always qualifies it with the adjective good. He's not like other shepherds. He is the good shepherd. Now, in the text that Jagger just read for us, it's the time when Jesus is born. And at the time that Jesus is born into the world, there are shepherds that are living out in the fields near Bethlehem. They're keeping watch over the sheep at night. In the Mishnah, which is the the commentary on the oral tradition of Judaism during the time of Jesus, there is this passage that helps us to understand why this particular field may have been of importance to the angels and to God. The Mishnah has a passage that says that the animals that were found in these fields between Bethlehem and Jerusalem were the animals that were used for temple sacrifice. And so on this night, it's like every other night, 
It's the same old, same old for these shepherds on a regular old night. It is nighttime and there's no street lights. Uh, the only kind of light that you might have is a torch. You might have a campfire. But beyond that, it is absolutely super pitch black, dark outside. And it's just a regular old night. There was no idea that something special was going to happen. And then suddenly, this angel appears and this glorious light. It's not like any other light. It's a light from heaven. This glorious light of the Lord engulfs the shepherds, and you can imagine they become petrified. They're absolutely terrified. They become like stone. In the language that Luke uses, they have this megaphobia. That is, they have this mega fear. They're absolutely petrified. And the angel takes a moment once you know these shepherds have seen him, and he gives them a moment, and he says, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Good luck with that. These fellas have never seen an angel before. And the angel, after he says, do not be afraid, he waits a minute or so. He allows these guys to collect themselves. And then the angel continues. He's got their attention. And he says, I bring to you good news. The kind of good news that will cause great joy for all the people. He's bringing it to the shepherds, but the shepherds are going to represent everybody. It's for all people today in the town of David, a Savior. A Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And as soon as he gets these words out of his mouth, then suddenly again, the, this angel is joined by a great company of the heavenly host, and they begin to worship in song. The angels are singing, and the shepherds are there in this worship. Well, this is what angels do, right? When they see what it is that God is doing in creation, at creation, in Job chapter 38, we're told that the angels sang as they watched God create the heavens and the earth and everything in between. And just think about these shepherds, these very common folk. They're getting to witness what worship is like in heaven with those that can that exists continually in the presence of God. They hear worship. And the angels sing, Glory to God in the highest heaven. Glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those on whom His favor rests. Now we're going to hear that song again. By the time we get to the end of Luke's gospel, that song is going to be sung again by the disciples of Jesus as he makes his way in across the Kidron Valley through the Golden Gate into the temple precinct. And it's a song that the disciples sang during his triumphal entry in Luke chapter 19, the same week that he's going to be crucified. And then after the, these, these shepherds hear this song, suddenly as they came, suddenly they're gone. And the night becomes black. The night recovers itself. And the shepherds look at one another and they decide to head off to Bethlehem to see this good news, 
to, to see this newborn baby, to see this Messiah, this Savior, this bringer of joy for all people that the angel has announced and described. And they tighten up their Nikes and they hurry off. And during this period of time, Bethlehem is not a metropolis by any stretch of the imagination. It is just a little tiny village. And so it doesn't take them very long because it's not all those many places to check. But soon after getting to Bethlehem, they're able to find the place where they find Mary and Joseph and the baby. And the baby is just as the angel had said, swaddled in cloths and and lying in a manger. And it's right here, folks, that something very unexpected happens. These shepherds become witnesses. They become witnesses. They tell everyone what they had experienced, what they had heard, and what they had seen. And then this. The shepherds returned. They are the same shepherds on the outside. They're, I mean, they smell the same. They look the same. The you know, the, 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 the stench of sheep are on them. They return to the field. They are the same on the outside. But don't think for a minute that they're the same on the inside. The shepherds return glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. You know, these shepherds are a really interesting part of the story of the birth of Jesus. And the reason for that is really no reason for them to be included. The shepherds were not high on anybody's totem pole. They had no political clout. They had absolutely no financial leverage. The shepherds of Jesus' day, had they were not considered at all to be the cream of the crop. They were not the cultural movers and shakers. And yet... And yet, they were invited personally by God to the birth of His Son. What would you have given to be there? And they are probably as surprised as anyone that they got the invitation to the birth of Jesus. I mean, hand-delivered by angels to these guys. And... The reason that they're in the story, I think, is to remind us of something very, very important that begins in Genesis and goes all the way to the maps. That God's invitation to Jesus, to see Jesus, to believe in Jesus, to accept Jesus, to love Jesus, to embrace Jesus, to give your life to Jesus includes everyone and excludes no one. That is the good news that brings great joy for all the people. Now, I, I personally don't know where you might be this morning. You may be thinking that you're excluded somehow. I mean, we get those thoughts about ourselves, right? That we, we think to ourselves, how could God let someone like me into His kingdom of love and of grace and of forgiveness and joy and all of those good things? How could, how could anyone, let alone God, allow that? Or maybe we say to ourselves, in the memory of some dark thing that we might have done, how could God ever forgive me for the things I've done when I can't even forgive myself? The shepherds of Bethlehem, friends, are included in this story to tell us something very important about God. 
regardless of how you might think about yourself, regardless of how others might think about you or how others might, might treat you, if you get nothing else from this message, if you get nothing else from today, it is this. God loves you and wants you to be with Him. Amen? What is the most famous scripture in the Christian scriptures? John chapter 3, verse 16. John writes, God loves the world. That includes you. It includes me. And in that love, He gives His one and only Son. That's the incarnation. He is giving to us a Son, a Savior being born in the town of David. That whoever believes in Him, that trusts in Him and gives their life to Him, shall not perish, but have, say it, eternal life. God loves and He gives in order that you and I and everyone else can be with Him forever. The birth of Jesus as our Savior is God's desire for us to be with Him for days unending. That's what eternal means. Days unending. And with the birth of Jesus, all of that is becoming possible. So what is it that God is wanting us to do? Think of the shepherds. You know, you, you, you sometimes in the dark part of the night, you're laying in bed and you're thinking about the day, or you're thinking about the past, and those dark thoughts begin to go into your mind, and you're thinking to yourself, you know, how, what am I going to do? How can I get beyond this? What's going to happen to me? What, what if there is a God? What do I need to do? Will He ever accept me? Will He ever love me? And what about the church? Will the church accept me? Listen to what the angel said about the good news. Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. God's intention towards you is good. It is so good, it is love and it's blessing, it's forgiveness, it's embracing you all that you are. Remember what the angel said to the shepherds who were paralyzed with fear. Do not be afraid. Why? I'm bringing you good news. And it's the kind of good news that's going to create and be a catalyst for all of this joy, this real joy coming into your life. And it's just going to fill your heart to the point that you can't take any more of it. And it's just going to begin to overflow. And you know why? Because the thing you need, the thing that the God who loves you sees in you, and knows that you need more than anything else is Him. And to get to Him, you need a Savior. And that's what Jesus is. And there is this direct connection between good news and joy. Right? I mean, think about how it happens in everyday life. I mean, you, you go to a, 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 an interview, and it's you know, question after question, and resume, and you know, you're waiting and waiting. And then one day, the phone call comes after the job interview, and the voice on the other end of the line says, hey, I've got some good news for you. We're going to offer you the job. Instant joy. Or after a series of tests at the doctor's office. Serious tests. You're waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and all of a sudden the phone call comes one day from the doctor's office and it's the voice of the doctor on the other end saying, hey, I know you've been anxious, but we've got the test results back and I've got good news you are going to be okay you are not in danger instant joy 
instant joy. Or, or your son walks into the waiting room where everybody's kind of anxious and you know, pacing back and forth. And he finally says, as he walks through the door, he says, I've got good news. The baby's here and everybody's fine. What does everybody in that room do? Even if you don't know this cat, he announced good news and everybody jumps up. Even if you don't know him, everybody's excited. Instant joy. A baby has been born. The angel tells the shepherds that they don't have to be afraid because what God is doing in the world is good news. Instant joy. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And the second thing is, is to do what the shepherds did. Hurry to Him. Hurry to Him. I mean, as soon as they were able to gather themselves and realize what they had been told, you know, is it true? Is it true? That I'm, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. They, they, they run to Bethlehem. They hurry to Him. They don't wait. They hurry to Bethlehem. They overcome their fear, their hesitancy, their reticence. And they go to Jesus. And the last thing we read about the shepherds is this. The shepherds returned again different, not the same. These shepherds are returning, but this time in the fields at night. They're glorifying God. And they're praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were exactly what they had been told. You know, you'll remember at um, the beginning of the message I said that there was this passage out of Mishnah, which again is, uh, Mishnah is not found in our Bibles, it's the commentary, it's written down today, but it's the, the commentary on the oral tradition, which after the destruction of, of Jerusalem was written down as well. It's the commentary on the oral tradition of Judaism. And inside of that Mishnah, there's that passage that lets us know that this field between Jerusalem and Bethlehem was a very special field. That the flocks there were the flocks that were being kept for temple sacrifice. This is where the lambs were kept. Some years later, after this night, a cousin of Jesus, a fellow by the name of John, who's a prophet, he's the long hair and the beard and, you know, the the clothing and the diet, and, and everybody is listening to him. And one day, he sees Jesus walking down the street on the other side of the road. And he's got all of his disciples who have been listening to him get ready to point to Jesus, the Messiah. And he taps them on the shoulder and he says, Fellas, fellas, you see that guy over there? And they go, yeah. He goes, that is the Lamb who takes away the sins of of the world. I don't know where you are today. Where I hope you want to be is in the presence of God. And maybe you're struggling with all of those things like everybody else struggles with, with things that you've done, things that you've said, maybe even things that have been done to you. And you're just, you're just wondering, you know, because when you look at yourself, you see yourself as just so damaged or so bad or so dark or so whatever. And you just go, it, I can't forgive myself. How could God ever forgive me? Or I, you, you know, I, I don't deserve it. I, I, I don't deserve this. You're right, you don't. But that's why Jesus is a Savior. And, and Father is saying to you today, don't be afraid. 
I know you're afraid. Doing honest business with your soul is scary at times. But don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Because my intentions toward you are good. And then do what the, do what the shepherds do. Hurry. Don't delay. Hurry to Him. Hurry to Him. The, the whole idea of the gospel is to give us the opportunity through a Jesus, through the Savior, to get back on track with God. Of course we get off track. It's a fallen world. The world is thus, thus have we made it. But Jesus is giving us the opportunity. Don't be afraid, but get back on track. That's what repentance is all about. It's saying, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm moving in a different direction now. And that's what baptism is all about, too. Baptism is this thing that we do where we are brought down into water and brought back up, and it's aligning our life with the will of God. It's our sins being washed away. It's receiving the gift of the Spirit, another gift from God. The reason why we don't have to be afraid is that gift, Paul tells us in Galatians and Romans, that that Spirit inside of our heart testifies to our heart that sometimes is troubled that we are the children of God. And then also helps us to become the kind of people that God always wanted us to be. And if that describes you this morning, don't be afraid. Hurry to Him. We're going to sing a song, The Steadfast Love of the Lord Never Ceases. Some of our shepherds, our good shepherds, are going to be down front. We want you to come down and talk to them about your life with Jesus as we stand and praise God together.